my name is Megan. And my name is Ari. And this, this is, is Unapologetically, Unapologetically Girl. Girl. We have come together to bring information to live the healthiest lifestyle and bring relevant information into your life. We are not doctors and always suggest discussing health content with your doctor before deciding if these lifestyle changes are beneficial to you. Information gathered comes from our personal experience, online articles, and relevant books. I have a background in marketing and a passion for personal development. I personally have a background in social work, and thus my perspective will come from the mental health challenges I have witnessed in myself and others. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. So, Megan... What have you been up to this week? So I got my haircut today, um, and it was way overdue. I usually get my haircut on a regular basis, like every eight weeks, like religiously, I get my haircut. But I had to reschedule, and then I my my hairstylist got COVID, and so I haven't had a haircut since October, which is just forever. But it was made even worse because of this stupid thing that I do once every few years on accident. I burned my hair. By leaning over a grill about a month and a half ago. So I've been dealing with singed tips for like a month and a half. And oh basically just wearing like ponytails and buns. Because I couldn't get in to see her. And I I really care about my hair. So I'm not going to go to some random person. I like it cut a certain way. She knows me very well. But yeah, I've been dealing with burnt hair. And I went in and I told her. I was like, I've been living in hell. My hair's been burned. And I haven't been able to get in to see you. <laughs> And she broke out laughing because this is a thing that happens to me frequently. <laughs> I burned my hair for a total of three times <laughs> in my lifetime. <laughs> the first time, I think I was 19 or 20, I was cooking food at my mom's house and she had a gas stove. And I didn't notice that the tips of my hair had gotten in the flames. And <laughs> then a few years later, I burned it again cooking at my house on my stove. And then a month and a half ago, so another few years later, Burned my hair for the third fucking time by leaning over a grill and not paying attention. I have very long hair, so I attribute it to that. But also, I just need to put my hair up when I cook, obviously. It's a fire hazard. I'm surprised it all hasn't gone up in flames yet or something. Well, it's because you don't use a whole bunch of hairspray, right? Oh my god, Can you yeah. imagine? No! <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh you just like, god, you no. just... If I had like, head. flammable products in my hair, yeah. And I didn't even notice. This is the thing, is that it was about an hour after I was in, we were done grilling food that I even noticed my hair was burned because <laughs> I was like, I ran my fingers through my hair and I remember being like, oh, that feels weird. It's probably just not. And I tried to get like the knot out. And then like 10 minutes later, I ran my fingers through my hair again. And I was like, another knot? Like, and like, it's, you know, I just felt like one of those like knots that get like really kinked up or something. And then I looked at my hair, and I was like, holy shit, this whole section is singed. <laughs> and because my hair wasn't brushed out, it was, like, unevenly burned. So, like, when I did brush out my hair, it wasn't like there was a chunk that was burned. It was, like, mixed in. So, oh, yeah, it was pretty great. Man. felt horrible. It just felt so gross. Like, it, it was getting tangled, like, so easy. I was waking up with, like, a rat's nest in the morning because if you have damaged hair, your hair gets, like, really tangled easily and yeah so I have a fresh cut today it feels like heaven like so smooth I'm so happy I feel like a completely different person but also I think I'm the only one who burns their hair every few years if I'm not please reach out to me so I don't feel so alone (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I will say that I have never had that experience. Oh, I God. personally, <laughs> I don't know if I've even like burned my hair with like a hot tool, mostly because I don't hardly ever use hot tools. I'm your girl is just lazy. And <laughs> I have really fine hair, so it doesn't do anything anyways. So. Yeah, I I'm need sorry, to really. Megan, that not. is not <laughs> not fun. <laughs> Luckily, it's really long because I cut about two to three inches off, and it's still pretty long. But uh, yep, I need to be better. I uh, need to just remember to tie my hair up if I'm around a flame or any hot surface. I'm like a six-year-old kid who doesn't know any better. <laughs> I never ever use hairspray or any other flammable product because it sounds like you're prone. I know, right? Yeah, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, I'd never use hairspray or I just use like heat protectant. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a good way to start today's podcast we are talking about the cognitive load theory and for those of you who have not um, ever heard of this story or this theory it is something that's also new to me and it was brought to my attention by one of my instructors um what do you call them professors and that at my university and she sparked this idea in regards to the effects of COVID on our cognitive load. So I'm just going to jump right in in regards to what uh, cognitive load theory is and this might be a little bit much to, be, to begin with but then we'll um, talk about it how it is in our lives. Um, to start the theory is based on human development of the working memory and the effects of novel stimuli in conjunction with average stimuli. An overload effect takes place when novel stimuli is presented. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this when you're just feeling like overwhelmed when something new is brought into your life. Or I even attribute like Anytime change occurs, sometimes you feel just like overwhelmed because you're like, how on earth can I possibly do one more thing or adapt to one more circumstance? Um, to go in more depth, um, an article by Sweller from 2011 states, the theory assumes that knowledge can be divided into biologically primary knowledge that we have evolved to acquire and biologically secondary knowledge that is important for cultural reasons. Secondary knowledge, unlike primary knowledge, is the subject of instruction. It is processed in a manner that is analogous to the manner in which biological evaluation processes information. When dealing with secondary knowledge, human cognition requires a very large information store the contents of which are acquired largely by obtaining information from other information sources. Novel information is generated by a random generate and test procedure with only very limited amounts of novel information able to be processed at any given time. In contrast, very large amounts of organized information stored in the information store can be processed in order to generate complex action. And this stuck out to me mostly because it really gives you a clear understanding of the difference between our secondary knowledge and our 
biological knowledge because one of them we are like is our everyday you know doesn't really affect us it's stuff that we've learned since we were baby like we walk and we talk and whereas the novel information is completely random and it's stored differently in our brain and that kind of is what attributes to the cognitive load um, per se so if you're like for instance I have a toddler right now and she is going through some changes and (laughs) she is learning a lot in this stage so there's a lot of novel stimuli in her environment and what's going on with her particularly her sleep she's starting to dream and she's starting to get scared of the dark and um all of those different things and because of that um she's having just more tantrums she's having disruption in her sleep she's being very clingy and very difficult to get down to bed um because there's a lot of novel stimuli now Eventually, the novel stimuli does become our secondary knowledge. It does get stored, and but there's a transition period during that time, at least from my understanding of what this theory presents. Um, I do encourage those listeners to seek out their own knowledge on this theory. It is just a theory, and so there's de- several different aspects and perspectives on how this all works. I specifically looked into the effects of COVID on our working memory and on in regards to this theory and I found a very um, compelling article. I guess it's not an article. It's a research paper that was put out by Kyra, Alpe, Ana, and um, et al. So, I'm sorry I butchered those names, but we will have the link to this article in our show notes so that you can yeah. go read it. It is amazing. It puts a lot of things into perspective. And so I'm just going to kind of touch base on some of the things that um, it states because it's so it just really highlights a lot of things. It talks about how um, COVID-19 is continuous large-scale traumatic stressors that may continue till we achieve herd immunity. So a continuous traumatic stress is considered a type 3 trauma. So did you guys realize that we have been experiencing a type 3 trauma? I had no idea. I knew that it was bad, but I had no idea that it was considered that yeah that makes sense that That surprises me blew my mind um a type 3 trauma the most significant in its potentially harmful impact is the continuous traumatic stress that can happen in various longitudinal pathways um in COVID-19 it requires continued um continuing struggle to cope so it obviously isn't a type 3 trauma for everyone however those individuals who already struggle with executive functioning, um, any other mental health disorder, which is a lot of people, um, undiagnosed and diagnosed, and 
those who already um, have a lot on their plates, like mothers, <laughs> I will just put that plug in. And so adding COVID onto such a high um, stress environment and with low coping skills can lead to the type three trauma that this is discussing. Um, so what they kind of did, they just um, did randomized study with, I think it was like Turkish people, but I wanted to touch base on their hypothesis um, because it was just so interesting. So their first hypothesis states that COVID-19 cumulative stressors and their different sub subtypes will be significant under predictors of PTSD, depression, and anxiety after entering previous cumulative life stressors and traumas and COVID-19 infection. So essentially their first hypothesis is stating that COVID-19 stressors and their subtypes will be significant indicators of PTSD, depression, and anxiety. They will control for previous life stressors. Um, whereas, or it makes it harder yeah. for those people to cope if they have those pre-diagnosed conditions. Yes. And then the second hypothesis is that COVID-19 traumatic stressors had direct and indirect effects on working memory deficits, inhibition deficits, and PTSD, depression, and anxiety, which is um, the working memory aspect is in conjunction with the cognitive load theory. And so to not get too much more into this, because there's a lot that they found, um, you can look at the results, very um, strong findings. And their discussion on this topic, I just thought it was really interesting that they found the relationships between different trauma types, the different outcomes of traumas, and cognitive function were long invest investigated in the literature. The results highlighted the profound negative effect of COVID-19 stressors, especially lockdown-related stressors and COVID-19 stressors cumulative, had a cumulative impact. Current trauma-focused interventions designed for type 1 or type 2 traumas may not be adequate in helping victims of type 3 continuous traumatic stressors, such as COVID-19. So I thought that was really interesting that that was a result that was highlighted from this study, a significant increase of PTSD, depression, and anxiety, and ex executive function deficits, because this is something that we've been living like every day since 2020 hit. Yeah, I was going to say about like maybe three years now. It's been it feels such a shorter period of time but it's actually been like two or three years of living through this pandemic yeah it's been a long time and I just want to add that this has had a significant impact on several people's lives even those who have not particularly gotten COVID-19 because of the media portrayal and family members, people around them, their jobs, their workplaces, the different laws that are happening, 
of people lost their jobs. I was laid off for about a month. It was very stressful. Even like that change, I feel like impacted my daily thinking a lot and my working memory and trying to find like a new like patterns and habits for each day when I didn't have to like go to work anymore. And then also like worrying about everything going on in the world. It definitely can take a toll on you. And I've never gotten COVID and I hope I never do, but it has affected me even though I've never actually been physically sick from it. It is insane how one, like, a disease can change a nation and change, um, like, I would say, like, the herd's thought process. Um, going into how this impacts our lives, Megan and I are going to share just some experiences that we've had with really this, the female culture and how it's really a breeding ground for the overload effect and the impact that because of this novel stimuli that we've experienced, um, how overly really stressed and maybe anxious we have been. And maybe it will help shed some light on maybe some feelings that you have also been having just so that you don't feel alone. And then at the end, we will offer, of course, some suggestions, some helpful tips that may help you in getting back to your normal or getting back to your new self. Because we ultimately will have this forever and we need to get back to being able to cope. And at some point, just like every other novel stimuli, this will be transferred into our you know, working memory. It'll be transferred into our everyday normal as we have started to see that for ourselves. And so Megan, what kind of things have you noticed just from like the overload effect in your life? Um, so an example I have of this kind of happening in my life was um, a lot of things were on my plate in the sense of um, I was in the shower getting ready and I was thinking about all the things I had to do for the day, what I had to do for work. Um, I have a loved one who was dealing with a health issue, so I was worried about that, thinking about those things. Um, also thinking about my animals, they had an upcoming vet appointment, I wanted to make sure I didn't forget it. And then I had a doctor appointment that day too. And so I'm thinking about all these things in the shower and like, I don't know how you can remember all those things at the same time, you know, definitely a bit of overload. And I ended up getting out of the shower getting dressed, getting ready, and it was like 15, 20 minutes later, and I realized I hadn't rinsed the conditioner out of my hair. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. Like, I was still thinking about all these things and trying to plan. I didn't even notice it when I first looked in the mirror. I was just like, my hair's up in a bun, because that's what I do. And I put conditioner in my hair, I like wrap it in a bun. And it wasn't until like I touched my head. <laughs> I was like, my hair is not just wet. I have conditioner in it. And then I had to, it took a bunch more time, because I had to get undressed, back in the shower, rinse, and then get ready all over again with like putting moisturizer on, getting dressed, doing the whole thing. So it's definitely so easy to, I don't know, they say like have mommy brain and I'm not a mom, but um, it's so easy to forget. Like even like the task that you're doing at the time, because you're thinking about all these extra things and making sure that, you know, you have all of your ducks in a row and make sure everything's ready. And, oh, do I have my face mask in my purse and all that stuff, you know, it definitely adds to a lot of it. And, and affect even the simplest tasks like taking well and then just like the underlying fear 
that we don't even recognize cognitively a lot of time but like that underlying fear that when we go out there we are effectively gonna be putting ourselves in danger or putting somebody else in danger I think for me somebody who cares so deeply about other people I never want to feel like I'm putting somebody else at risk and I think with this whole COVID like dynamic that has been one of the like media tactics that has like worked on me so well because I I don't want to be that person that puts somebody else's grandma or somebody else's child or somebody in a position where they're on life support and I know that maybe it's not just like me that feels that way I want to share an experience that kind of happened during this COVID time. I was already probably at my cognitive load max. I was, <laughs> I had just had a baby. I was going to graduate school and I was working and I was doing an internship and I was married at the time and I'm sure you can imagine that living in your parents' house, married with a new baby, is stressful enough, but then adding being in a master's program and being going to work and internship, like it was just a lot. And I needed a lot more support from my significant other um, than probably he was capable of giving especially during a global pandemic. And what happened, he ended up losing his job or not really losing his job, but being, you know, taking a step back from his job. However, my job went online and um, that was convenient, but it just still left a lot of pressure for me to generate revenue and make money and I'll support the family and it just seemed like one more thing that I could not handle like I could not handle one more thing I was at my breaking point and at this point I had zero coping skills I was just running on empty complete empty um and you know unfortunately that did also end up in my marriage going to pieces and we ended up getting a divorce during that time. And, you know, there are times in life that things get really hard. And we're going to have an experience, times of cognitive load, and we're not going to be able to fully function at the best of our abilities because we're going to be so overmaxed. And that's something that through this COVID-19 experience, I couldn't put my finger on it, why I felt so vulnerable, and I felt like I just could not handle it all, whereas before, I was like, oh, I can, I can do it, I'm super person, like, I can do it, um, but then you add a global pandemic, and all of a sudden, adding that fear into my life, just, like, it killed me. I couldn't bring my baby out anywhere. I didn't want her getting sick. 
and it was just a really difficult time and here I am two years later still questioning like if things are safe if you know what does the future look like I work at a public school and in like our plans that we have to do we always have to prepare for if we were to go online again because it's always in the back of everybody's mind yeah I mean I remember when I got laid off because of COVID and it was such a weird transition because I've been working since I was 14 and then all of a sudden I didn't have a job anymore and that's just I've either had one job or two jobs I've never had no job and it was so weird I was depressed sometimes I like wouldn't want to like move I didn't have motivation I would just watch Netflix and then other times I was very motivated I would start projects uh, and this whole time I was like job hunting as well but also I had loved my job that I had so I was also being very picky um, in the moment and maybe I just was kind of rejecting the idea that I would have to work for someone else or at a different company because I just didn't want to accept it yet um, but just mentally, it was just so weird every single day. Some days I was very motivated, some days I wasn't. You know, um, not having a, a routine or having your routine change drastically definitely puts so much of a mental swing. And then I ended up being called by my boss about a month later and hired back. And that was one of the best feelings ever. And I remember I was like super nervous again, even though I had done this job for four years before that. Um, but, you know, even getting back into work, the whole ecosystem was definitely different because, you know, I work in like marketing and sales and people weren't wanting to advertise as much because there was so much hysteria going on. Um, but it was also nice because it was also a time to like reflect and see what was working and what wasn't working. We kind of cut out a lot of like the bulk work that didn't really need to be done every day. Um, so that was really nice. Honestly, that was a hard time and even looking back I still feel those same emotions even though I currently I have been going to see a counselor not necessarily for that but just the fallout and the trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma like there's only so much that you can deal with and I think it's important to know your limits and to prepare yourself for the rainy day. And, you know, we prepare ourselves for um, rainy days by, you know, either stocking away food or stocking away money, um, different things. But we also need to prepare our bodies and our soul for that rainy day. And I think that's something that we've learned coming out of this. Um, Megan is going to share some signs of some or signs that you may also be dealing with cognitive load through some examples that she um, has compiled from friends in her life. Yeah, so I spoke to a few women in my life about this theory and I found it interesting that they were all very intrigued by it and felt like this had been something that had affected them and they gave me several examples things of which I hadn't even thought about. And so one of them was going to work without a bra on because you're like in such a rush in the morning to get ready and take care of all of your kids, like you're a single mom and getting everyone ready and all the lunches and making sure everything's in the car and everyone's ready to go. And then you get to work and you're like, oh, I forgot about me. <laughs> I forgot to put a bra on before I left. 
Another example was driving and forgetting where you're going. I have experienced that a lot. And then a minute, maybe 30 seconds later, I'll remember again. Another example was you leave your house to go to a store to return an item and you get halfway there to remember you didn't even grab the item before you left your house. And, you know, again, I spoke about how I got out of the shower with out washing conditioner out of my hair because I was thinking about everything that I had to get done and everyone I had to take care of that day. Um, so these are things that can just kind of happen where, you know, so much focus is put on the bigger things that you have to remember and keep track of every day. And with all of the new added stressors and information, we also have to remember at the same time that you just forget these little minute things that end up stressing out your life even more, making you have to turn around, waste your time. Um, so it can definitely be very frustrating. And, you know, I feel a lot of people call this like having mommy brain, which I kind of don't like that term, but I feel like everyone can relate to that. Well, and it's interesting phrase. because mommy brain or, yeah, it's a thing. But why do you think it's a thing? Because we're overloaded. We're trying to think of, you know, however many other kids and a house and all of these other things that society has, you know, expected us even today to complete and do flawlessly, right? And maybe that's just my own, like, thing that I want to do, maybe. But we have to recognize that it's not just mommy brain and we need to not normalize it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't and see guys. And it shouldn't guys... be, like, a negative term either. You know? Yeah. Like, and it it's should've... usually, like, oh, you're so stupid. Like, you forgot this, really? You have mommy brain. And it's, yeah. like, do you know how much I'm remembering? I'm really fucking sorry for everything else I've remembered today. Thank you. Honestly. So, Megan, what are some things that you think can help with this and help decrease this load? Because we need to take care of ourselves. So, I think one thing that would help a lot and that I've practiced in the past is just brain dumping everything you have to remember on a piece of paper. Get it, like, all out there so you're, like, not trying to retell it to yourself over and over again to try to remember. And then, so, make your list and then try to focus on one thing at a time. So, that way, now, instead of worrying about all these things, you're just picking one that you focus on at a time. Also, another helpful tip that I was reading was um, to help with cognitive load is to ask questions of your partner, your teacher, whoever is interacting with you that's... um you know, related to one of the tasks you have to get done or one of the things you have to remember. Sometimes asking questions and getting more information can decrease the overwhelm that you might feel related to that task and might even eliminate the need for you to do that task altogether. Another one is to eliminate personal distractions. So oftentimes, you know, if your phone is going off because of messages and stuff and, you know, um, you have a bunch of other things going on at the same time, it's so easy for your cognitive load to kind of like explode and then you forget some things. So eliminating personal distractions definitely can help. And then lastly is letting go of non-essential tasks. Uh, I experienced this recently at work. I think I was doing a lot of things that I didn't really necessarily need to do or to put as much weight on doing. And once I kind of eliminated those tasks and didn't put as much weight on them, I was able to focus on the things that mattered more. And overall, my stress load was a lot less. So I kind of think, you know, letting go of things sometimes, um, decreasing your workload, you don't have to do everything. And just accepting that, especially because I try to take on a lot of tasks and 
I like doing everything because I know it's done right and that really adds to my personal workload. So I think a lot of those tips can definitely help if, you know, you practice them. I agree. One thing that I did see on social media and I wish I remembered where I saw this, but specifically when you're writing down like your list, your to-do list for the day, separate it into three parts. Separate it the first is what needs to get done. Absolutely must need to get done. The second would be the things that you would like to get done. And the third would be the things that other people would like you to do. And, you know, by the time you get down to the third bracket, you can get done what you need to maybe. But it also helps you set healthy boundaries so that you're not placing yourself in a position that you're doing things for a lot of other people when you're struggling yourself. It's kind of that aspect of, okay, I need to take care of me and get my face mask on first, and then I can take care of my child Yeah, kind of thing. That's something that I had, like, a realization recently as well, is that I don't have to take care of everyone that I care about, you know? Like, they're adults. They can take care of themselves. They can... You know, I can ask for help. I can say, hey, I don't have time to do this today. Can you do this or this? Um, you know, instead of trying to do everything on my own, letting go of some of that control and realizing that, you know, there's either outwards pressure from what other people want or maybe you're trying to do too much by helping someone who doesn't need help or taking over a task that somebody else is more than capable of doing. You know, it's okay to ask for help and not take on as much as maybe you think you need to. Well, and it allows them to have some you know, self-dependence, which is awesome. And granted, yeah, there are times when we need to help others. Um, but we don't need to help others at the expense of ourselves. So I think that's really important to recognize. And really, we just need to treat our body with the same grace that we would treat our children with or treat our friends with. We are just as much as important as any of those loved ones around us. Um, yeah, definitely. Maybe even more so because I, I feel like you can't really care about other people if, you know, you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. And one of the things, too, is recognize your tolerance to stress, your sensory processing, and your overall s- increase your self-awareness. Some ways that you can do that. I love meditation because it allows you to spend time with yourself in peace. And recently, I have been listening to Jay Shetty's podcast on purpose, and it is amazing. If you guys have not listened to that, I'm sure everyone's heard it, but it's so good. And he does med- guided meditations and like next level, I will say that is probably the one thing that has helped me recognize myself more and more. And if you ever would like to seek therapy if this is something that you've been struggling with and you want extra help with it. Um, there's cognitive training is very effective for this type of um, work because you're increasing your tolerance and your abilities to cope, which will then help you in the future as we continue to um, deal with COVID-19. Now is as well the wars in other countries and all of the things that continue to go on in our daily lives. 
Yeah, it can definitely be a lot, and I haven't listened to that podcast, but it sounds amazing, so I'm definitely going to check that out as well. Thank you for listening to this episode on cognitive load theory. I hope that this gave you just a bite of what cognitive load means and how it affects you and your life and what things you can take and hopefully change to help you live a more fulfilling life. And just to reiterate, all of our information and sites and sources will be posted in our show notes.